Hey, this is Keith Price, and I am so glad that you have become a part of the Keith Price's Curtain Call family. It is really great that you guys are enjoying it, and I really, really feel like I want to give you guys more and do more for you. And the only way that I can do more is if I can get a little bit of help from you. So what I would like to ask of you is that you check out, if you're listening to the podcast, to the Patreon page that I have started in which I'm asking that if you have an extra buck or two that you could throw over to the side once a month, I would be very appreciative. As time goes on and the more support that I can get and the more energy that I can create, behind this, it will give me the opportunity to reach more people. And the more people that love theater in the world makes the world a better place. So www.patreon.com slash Keith Price Curtain Call. Help a brother out. Come on now. Help a brother out. Thanks a lot. Ooh, you are listening to Keith Price's Curtain Call. This is Keith Price, and we are back here for another episode of Keith Price's Curtain Call, and it's part two of my 2018 Kleban Prize winners series. I just decided that I needed to have a, a series now because I've been very fortunate in the last, like I told you guys when I did that interview with Christian earlier, that I've been fortunate now. This is my third year now of attending the Kleban Prize reception to see and talk to not only the winners, but all of these fantastic people that are roaming around the room that have done all kinds of amazing things in the name of musical theater. You have to say it like that, musical theater. But interesting, like I said before, the Kleban Prize is the one prize that actually is not about necessarily the person that's writing the music. This is about the lyricists and this is about the librettists that write the books for all of these really great shows that you get to see. And this young woman that is sitting in front of me, y'all, Amanda Yesnowitz. That's how about right. that? Yes, that was. Because let me tell you something, this thing, this, this is how fierce this girl is. All right. First of all, let me, let me, just, let me just read you some of your credits, darling. You just sit over there. This let is me my talk. life, huh? This is going to be your life. Okay. Now, she is Amanda Yesnowitz, not only a 2018 Kleban Prize winner as the most promising musical theater lyricist. Pow. It's, it's nice to be my age and promising. Promising. <laughs> the first individual lyricist to win the Jonathan Larson Award. Right. So, Ooh, you know, yeah. so, so something that you said that the Kleban is one of the only, or it, it is. It's a big one. It, well, yeah. But uh, the Larson Award, too, if you can apply in different categories. Mm-hmm. So the Larson Award also honors the individual components. She, uh, as well, honey. She's also earned a dramatist guild <laughs> fellowship. You're you're living from my like my, uh, but I'm I got to talk to you like I'm talking to my. If I were talking to my girlfriends or my friends about you, this is exactly how I would be talking about you. So <laughs> don't 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 be taken aback. It's all good. Okay. Casual is what makes this pop. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But what I love is is that she's also earned a dramatist guild fellowship, which is to die for as well. The Dottie Berman Award, the Jamie DeRoy and Friends Award, and you all know how much I love me some Jamie DeRoy. Eight Mac nominations for Excellence, Promise, and Vision in Songwriting. And you're currently collaborating with Broadway producer Ken Davenport on a musical inspired by Margaret Buckley, the 19th century Irish woman who mysteriously lived as Dr. James Barry. All right, girl. Now, you need to talk to me, Miss Cleban Prize winning. Okay. <laughs> theater lyricist, darling. What is, girl, what is, what, I, I, it's the same question I ask everybody. What were you doing when you got that first email or that phone call about this is, you have won? 
Well, the Kleban Award, obviously, I mean, as you know, it really is, it's the big one. If you're a lyricist or you're a librettist, that's really what you're aiming for, aiming to win at some point in your career. And so I've been vying for this for the better part of two decades and have been, I guess, fortunate, depending on how you look at it, mm-hmm. often a bridesmaid, never the winner. <laughs> so, so I have a whole collection of emails telling me that I was the finalist and the runner-up, which, of course, is encouraging Absolutely. in your 20s. But yes. the older that you get, you'll, you, you, finalist, yeah, it, it's, it's nice to know that you're still in the mix. Mm-hmm. But when I, I guess this was the first year that I really didn't preoccupy myself with, oh, it's Kleban season, I'm going to know one way or mm-hmm. the other. And I had a couple of, you know, 2017, not a great year for any of us. <laughs> yes, honey. <laughs> but at the end of the year, I had a couple of little nibbles on other things. Right. And over Christmas, my nieces uh, came to visit me. They live in Maryland, and they came to visit me over Christmas because what do Jewish people do over <laughs> Christmas? We just, Chinese food, right? Maybe. We just find open restaurants. So they were here, <laughs> and um, just a little side note: I got to give a little shout out to my nieces, who are you know my two favorite people. But my older niece. Mm-hmm. One Chopped Junior. So she was on an episode of Chopped Junior last year, and she won her episode. Work! But she's not a performer. She's not a theater person. So she was very humbled by this. But once it was done, she didn't want to talk about it mm-hmm. anymore. She was happy that she won. But end of story, that was it. And so that was last year. And I was with her because they shooted at Chelsea Market. So they had come up from Maryland. And it was nice. Mm-hmm. It was exciting to be with her when yeah. she won. So they came to visit me this past Christmas, and they were getting ready to leave. We were sitting up at Hudson Eats and and gathering our things, and they were getting ready to leave to go back to Maryland, and I happened to take out my phone and notice that I had a missed call and a voicemail from a 212 number. And for some reason, even though I had not been thinking about it, I stared at that voicemail and thought to myself, this is either Warby Parker telling me my glasses are ready, <laughs> or it's the Kleban. I, it, was, it was very like clear. Like you knew. I kn- you it, just it knew. It had to be one or the other. <laughs> My transitional lenses are here. Right. Actually, these these, these are on their sea glass. Aren't they nice? Very nice. Yeah, I like them. So I, I stared at this, and then there was a lot of ambient noise, but I called and listened to the voicemail and heard some name mm-hmm. and from the Kleban Foundation. And my family and my boyfriend are there, and they're looking at me thinking, who died? Because I, Your face I, is I, changing. I, was, I was panicked, yeah. So I call the number back and I ask to speak to the person who I thought it was, but not even close. And the, and the the woman on the other and said, "No, there's nobody here by that name." And I just kept. I, I mean, I couldn't even for a lyricist. I couldn't even string words together. <laughs> I just kept saying, "No, no, Kleban, Kleban," and and I don't I don't know what you're talking about. And so I said, "Okay, I guess I'll have to call you back." And I hung up, and I gave the phone to my boyfriend and I said, "Babe, listen to this. Please tell me who." I need to call. Because I can't I can't. I really, I can't. I don't have the mental capacity for any of this. And he did. I mean, he's really good with stuff like that. And, and so he did. And he said, Elliot Brown? I said, yes, yes, I know that name. Yes, yes, yes. And Richard Malmy. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So I call back. And, of course, he's not available. And mm-hmm. I realized that they had to be together. So I knew I wasn't going to get the answer right away. Right. So we had some very cautiously optimistic not celebrating, but yeah, mm-hmm. but until they, you have a live person who says you won, 
you know, we couldn't or be better guaranteed. yet, until you sign that piece of paper that right. says the check will be deposited on this date. Exactly. You know, everything else is still a blur. Right. So there was still <laughs> there was still a little bit of doubt. So I sat there with my family and they needed to get on the road, but we're all just staring at my phone going, ring, ring, ring. And of course, as you know, a watch mm-hmm. pot never rings. Exactly. So uh so they said, well, we kind of have to get on our way. And I said, okay. And my sister-in-law said, she said, you know, it's interesting. She said, you and Sarah, my older niece, must be lucky charms for one another because you were with her when she won Chop Junior. Now she's with you when you, and it was, and it was oh. so sweet. And I said to my niece, I, I, she finally, like we could identify, I, I felt like she was more able now to um, have her feelings about winning her thing because now she knew oh I could really relate because once I did get the actual phone call I said Mm -hmm. to her I said Sarah this I don't believe it every day I wake up and I'm in shock is that how you feel and she Mm -hmm. said yes yes so it was definitely um it was that was like a nice and for her it's even worse because she has to win and keep her mouth quiet until the actual show airs right because she can't tell anybody she can it was it was a few months she didn't care she really didn't care I mean I had to keep quiet for like two to three weeks it was a lot. It was It was definitely, it was a lot of telling the same handful of people over and over again. I have no idea what's happening. I don't, <laughs> I, you know, I just, I'm going on with my day. That's all I can do. <laughs> it, was like, it was, it was really hard. And then that time between that and the, and the phone call. So my boyfriend and I went back home. Where's and, home? Uh, so I, we live in Battery Park City. Oh, okay. So you're a Brooklyn girl. I mean, um, Lower Manhattan. Well, yes, although I was born, bred, and bageled, as I like to say, in, in Brooklyn. So, yes, I am, na- I am native. Native. Yes. She's a native New Yorker. <laughs> All right, girl. So we went back home, and we're staring at the phone. And again, what are, what are we going to do? And it's funny because you think about when a doctor – you always wait for a doctor to call. They give you bad news. But in the theater, when someone calls you, it's good news. So we were excited for the phone call, but it was still mm-hmm. angsty. So I had bought a whole... Because, again, until the paperwork right, is signed. Right, you don't know. You don't until know. you have an opening night, right? Mm-hmm. Anything can happen. So I had bought a, a whole stack of jigsaw puzzles. I'm, I'm a puzzle person, as you you, mm-hmm. you will get to eventually. But um, <laughs> jigsaw puzzles, I, I, I do those too. And I had a whole stack of new uh, puzzles, a, a thousand pieces. And so my boyfriend said... We are busting open one of those, and we are going to work on that and take your mind away from all off. of that. So we 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 dumped out this. I can't. I'm not going to say what the puzzle was because it it's related to something that I would like to get the rights to actually. But he showed. But we talked about that. and We said yes, this would be an appropriate one to do. And so we dumped the whole thing on on the coffee table. And usually when we do puzzles, I'm very meticulous about it, sorting and this. Mm-hmm. And I didn't care. We we were just sifting through piles of things, just trying to pass the time. And then after about a couple of hours, then then they then they called, <laughs> and it was real. <laughs> like, did you like leap up from the table? Go get my phone. <laughs> I didn't. We both stared at it again, and it's like I almost I didn't know how to answer my phone. I I I didn't wow. know. It was, yeah, because twenty years is a long time to be applying for the same thing and getting the same result and. And now I was in a little bit of this limbo. I mean, I, I knew, but I, it, it was a lot, really overwhelming. And to be honest, it, it still has, the overwhelm has not subsided really? yet. And 
It probably won't. It ever. Sh- well, it shouldn't. It shouldn't because you're in a very elite group of people right now. Yep. You're in a. You are now a part of a very historical chain of wonderful people that have, since the yep. time that they've won Cleveland prizes, have gone on to do some fantastic things. I'm thinking. Oh, I don't know. Is it Lopez? Bobby Lopez is. A yeah. So and... there's right. So there's certainly a pedigree to mm-hmm. this award. To me, though. My connection to Ed Kleban is very singular and specific. So, like a sensation. <laughs> well, are you familiar? You're probably familiar with a class act. Yes. Right? The, the story of how he put the yeah. music together with Lonnie Price. And yes. Lonnie did the music and the direction and all that stuff. Yes. Right. So Lonnie was in it. And, um, well, Ed Kleban actually did the music and the lyrics. Uh, yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. But I mean, you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. He, yes. He did it all. He was all, he did everything. That poor man. Bless his heart. <laughs> and I, I mean, I must have seen this show 18 times and wept every single time. And it, it mattered a lot to me because as an aspiring or practicing but not making too much money for it, <laughs> lyricist, you know, to see that story, Process, right, yeah. it, it was really very poignant. And um, so there's a point in the show, there's this song called... Uh, Follow Your Star, and they placed it at the end of the first act, and there's a lyric where uh, the, the lyric is, uh, follow your star, follow, uh, you'll find home. If you follow your star, you'll find home. And they had the Randy Graff's character who plays his best friend. Right. Uh, she sings it to him when he's re- he really is ready to give up. And she sings it to him, and the underscoring of you know that the ostinato for a chorus line comes in right at that moment. Mm-hmm. Follow if you uh, follow your star, you'll find home. And then we hear the dun 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 dun. dun. You'll find home. And so as the audience, you're sitting there going, "Just keep at it. Just keep at it. You're gonna you're, do you're, it. The chorus line, it's coming. It's coming. It's gonna come out of you. I just know it." Yeah. <laughs> and so I was telling my boyfriend how much this meant to me. Uh, this and uh, this was right after I found out I won. He ordered me a mug. And on one side of the mug, he had printed on it. He's been calling me Klebanda since he's come up with this portmanteau <laughs> for me, Klebanda. And so on one side, he had printed Klebanda's cuppa. And on the other side, uh, follow your star, you'll find home, Ed Kleban. And he said, because I, I never want you to forget that you won this. Mm-hmm. And I never want you to forget to keep going even when things may be a little rough. And <laughs> well, you know, it's so funny because we're sitting here and I have my computer open as we're talking and I'm right. like, I just pulled up the class, because you know I have a lot of class cast recording. Like, right, I just right. pulled it up and I'm sitting there going, oh, this is good because at the end of this interview, they're going to get to hear that little line of this song as we go out. At, because... the, at the end, where and then when you hear, yeah, when you hear the chorus, it's, it's heartbreaking and heartwarming and it's, it's beautiful. So... Okay, so this is where you tell me now, how did you get started working as a uh, lyricist? Uh, Not a straight path. I don't think there is a straight path to writing musical theater. I think you have to go through performing it or writing other things. So it was sort of a circuitous path for me, although... I was always very verbal when I when, when I was young, reading and writing and rhyming and singing, but not thinking about those things as one. 
Uh, I guess in college, I would write parodies of things. That was very, it was a lot of fun for me to do that. I really enjoyed that. And I think that's probably where it really started in earnest. And then I got my first master's degree at the Boston Conservatory. I was still performing. And for your thesis project, you have to kind of cobble together your own one-person show. And then you take already existing songs. I mean, it's totally legal because it's in the name of education and all that. Uh, But when I did that, I ended up rewriting a lot of the lyrics and really kind of found my bliss, Mm -hmm. as they say. And so when I performed this one-woman show... Everyone who came up to me after congratulating me said, wow, you're a really good lyricist. And I thought, yeah, that really was my joy in all of this. And I would (coughs) rather be in the audience laughing and watching and listening than up here. And there are other people Mm -hmm. who can do it better and who are certainly more driven to do it. But this other thing is more esoteric and more mathematical, which I was always driven by. And so that was when things kind of, that, that was a, a real seminal moment for me because I realized it took a lot of money, student loans that I still <laughs> owe. Well, but you know, but now she can take a, she can take a whack at them now, honey. How you doing? <laughs> Shut not up. Fun, that's not a fun way to spend I, this money. <laughs> no, but you know what? It's a cute way to, to get your life on track. I guess so. Because when yeah. Sally Mae stopped calling or whoever it is that they, that's true. when she stops calling you, then that's a cute moment for you. <laughs> Trust. So that was really it. Once I, once I had that moment of clarity, then the path was far more direct. So I did the NYU program, Graduate Musical Theater Writing, and met lots of great people there. And from that point on, every I did BMI. Uh, I've done ASCAP. You know, I did the Drama to Skill Fellowship. Right. Everything that came subsequently was really just a confirmation of, yeah, this is what you should be doing. And along the way, getting these awards and opportunities like I've never second guessed this career path after that after those so like with the Cleveland Prize how many times did you submit or how many times have you submitted for that probably 18 or 19 I mean close to 20 Wow. I think it was right probably right after I graduated from the grad musical theater writing program was the first time I applied, yeah, so close to 20. And the one thing that I can say about you right now, having not ever met you before this moment, yeah, girl, you moisturize fierce. <laughs> <laughs> girl, shoot, she got money and looking young. You better work your, your program out. Your boyfriend oh, better be right. careful. You're looking at me going 20. I was like 20 on. years. Nice, like, where she had these 20 years? <laughs> You better work this thing. It's it's my it's my twenty seven year old boyfriend who keeps me very young. Oh! <laughs> can you can I just say now? Yeah. Amanda, I'm just gonna say it to you right now okay. that if I had any doubt that I liked you before <laughs> this moment, you with your fifty hundred grand, your fierce a moisturized face and your 27-year-old boyfriend, honey, sealed the deal, girl. I ain't mad at you. No. <laughs> I'm not mad at you. <laughs> so the question that is, is like, what what are you working on now? How do you how do you how do you maintain your process of um writing like this? Cause you got a 27-year-old boyfriend, so that means that, you know, somebody needs a little attention. And you're in a different place as a writer. I am. And he's an actor. So okay. he, you know, in the business certainly understands all of this. We're very much aligned. And you know what? He he is he's one of those wise millennials. He he yeah. really he's an old soul. And 
uh, no, old we're, soul we, and a twenty-seven-year-old body. Hey. He's, he's wise beyond his abs. Is, like, is, is, is what I like to say. Amanda, yeah. oh <laughs> I swear to God, Amanda, if we are not best friends after this interview, <laughs> I have not done my job as a gay man. I'm just going to tell you right now. Work. So he's my muse sometimes. One, if yep. you said to me, "I want to hear one of your songs," you only have time to listen to one. I would, I would point you to the song that I wrote about him. Wow. Yeah. So for you, though, how is it when you pick up these projects to write, how much of yourself do you get to put into them? I mean, you know, besides the actual skill, I mean, like, because you have an assignment when it's another person's project, but how do you kind of sneak some Amanda into that? I think just by nature of my writing style, I I mean, a lot of people have said this, so I feel comfortable saying this, too. I think Mm -hmm. one of my trademarks is wit, uh, sort of. Not, I mean, in in some ways, in the tradition of Cole of Porter, Cole Porter. And, and I was Berlin. just yeah, thinking that. Yeah, I love language and wordplay, and I do try to try to get that in where I can. Uh, I I think every character that you write is informed by your own worldview, and then that coupled with I'm a very crafty person. So, as far as things being well structured. Richard Maltby saw a, a reading of something that I did a while ago and he came up to me and he said, you're very clean lyrics, very clean. And I, and I knew I knew exactly what he meant. Yeah. No so, fat. No fat. Uh, well, uh, writing lyrics, it's, it's an act of compression. Yes. So there really can't be anything extraneous. And if you can use fewer words, you better use fewer words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think because that that also gives your singer who's singing your lyrics an opportunity to get a vocal rift in. Well, that's I mean you have to think about that too. That it's not a form that's just meant to look nice on the page right. or be read aloud. You know, it has it's, to it, have a, por- it, it a point. It has to have musicality and cadence and and just being a musical person certainly. and being reflective of the character and all yeah. of those things. Yes, which of course then with all of your study has helped you to be able to do. Because oh, I yeah. hear master's degrees, yeah, I hear yes. all of the stuff in this time frame. Yeah. So is this what you pictured this was going to look like for you 20 years ago when you started this journey? I don't, I'm not a long-term thinker kind of person. I like the idea that I actually don't know what things are going to look like. I mean, there are people, I have a, a, a stable job. I'm a professor at NYU. I've been there for 20 years also. <laughs> and so the stability of that is nourishes me in a way, and that's important. Mm-hmm. But part of, for me, part of the appeal of being an artist, this is going to sound crazy, is kind of the instability of it. I love that it's feast or famine. I love that I, I don't know if I'm going to be out of town doing something for six weeks next summer. I, I, I love not knowing mm-hmm. that. So I, I'm i happy to be here now. <laughs> I, I don't really think to, I think that that's a little dangerous if you start to say, oh, well, if I don't do this by the time I'm 30 or 35 or 40. And there are other metrics for success yes. than that. And, and it's never, no matter how well you plan it, it doesn't necessarily work out that Certainly way. Certainly not in the arts. Yeah. So you, all right, Miss Amanda. I'm just looking at her like, oh, girl, we got to go have cocktails. I, gotta, I need to meet your man. I got all kinds of stuff I have to do with you because you are fabulous. And you know what I think is really great? When you were talking about the fact that you're teaching. Yeah. And I realized that um, you are one of those rare breeds in terms of fighting the old adage. Because, you know, they always say people who can't do teach. And here you are, not only are you teaching, yeah. not only are you doing, but I also will, 
And I, you know, because I'm that caddy queen. I'm always the I'm the fabulous guy in the office. I'm the person, the go-to guy with the gossip, the whole schmear. But what I'm thinking about you is, is like, how many of your colleagues right now are just kind of going, damn, she did it. This Yesenowitz did it. How'd she do that? And how neat, how does that add to your cachet now that you're teaching? Well, they both, they both, I mean, they both feed each other. I teach at Tisch at NYU, and so certainly it's a boon to them mm-hmm. if I'm succeeding in my professional life. But to, to, to get back to the, because I, you know, I've heard that from time to time, those who, who can't do teach. And I hate it's that. an antiquated notion that they're mutually exclusive, mm-hmm. especially, I mean, you take a look at that benefits package that I get at NYU. You take a look at my, my, my teaching Bulker. schedule, and you take a look at, at all mm. the at all the wonderful young artists that I get to be around all the time. And I watch mean, their careers pop yeah, and grow. absolutely. You better work it out, Miss Amanda. <laughs> that's, but I think that that's great because that also helps keeps. I think it also helps keep your skills fresh, right? By Definitely. being in that environment. And also being in an environment of education where part yeah. of the educational aspect is a, a I guess you're assuming you're tenured if you've been there this long. It's no? there, it, it's it's not a tenure track, but it is full time contract right. the whole positions. Yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, but in that in that energy that you're in with the skills that you bring to it, it allows you now that, gosh, it's like I mean, you just your your cachet has just bumped up. I hope so. And I think that <laughs> this is a wonderful thing because I mean, you know, also too, you're also in that category where there's very few women being recognized as lyricists too because I'm, I'm trying to think of like like the most recent thing with you know with fun home being the the big winner yeah. and then i also flash back to like cindy lauper also being like the first woman to win book and or lyrics music, music yeah. and lyrics mm-hmm. it's like you're in a very 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 small company yeah. of people do you feel any pressure with that like to try to do especially now that we're i don't mean to be the one but we're in the age of the woman getting her thing going I know. on now, I, you, you know, know what this might not be a popular Thing to say, but we'll say I, it because I need controversy. <laughs> I've never thought of myself as a female artist. I just Good. think of myself as an artist. I don't, I, I, just my own experience, I don't feel like I'm inhibited by it. I don't think I am advantaged by it. I, I, I honestly, I've just never, I've never thought about it like that. And maybe that's naive, but I, I just haven't. Th- this project that I'm working on right now, though, perhaps is my way of speaking to it. Because it's about, so this woman, Margaret Bulkley, who uh, lived in the 19th century in Ireland and then in other parts of the world, she, all she wanted to do was practice medicine. And in order to do that, she had to live her life as a man. Mm -hmm. So this is not a trans story. This Mm -hmm. is the story of, it's a story of sexism. And I I stumbled upon, she was the first female surgeon to perform a successful C-section where the mother and child both survive, except nobody knew this until after she died when they discovered that she was a woman. Right. After they perfected the the craft of C-section. Right. Oh, she did it. Yeah. So (laughs) when I I, I stumbled upon just really that piece of information, I thought, oh, that's kind of intriguing. And when I stumbled upon it, you know, it was last year. It was when all this other, all the mm-hmm. election stuff was going on. And I thought, you know, maybe at another time I would have been, I, I would have read this story and thought, oh, but that was so long ago. Something like that would never happen. But when I read it, I, I was so saddened by how eerily it, it was prescient in a way. And, and it felt to me like that kind of story was still reverberating now. And, and so I 
did some research into that and my collaborators and we we all found a story there and we we've just finished a draft of it and wow it came very easily to all of us which is a testament to it being the right story to tell well what well, what are the things that you're working on that that you can talk about in addition to this because now with this Cleveland prize yeah. this is giving you now the opportunity to a Sit still now and really focus on this if you want to re- redo things right. that you want to redo. But it also right, gives right. you a chance to do new things. Yeah. So. Well, so I, we, we just finished a draft of this, of this musical. Mm-hmm. And when I say just finished, I like mean. 20 a, minutes ago. I mean, a few, a few <laughs> days ago. We wrote it in a very, very short amount of time. And we did the majority of work on it. It was, I, I knew I had won. The, it was during that time in between when I found out I won and when I could tell people. And so it felt like the best way to honor the award was just to write this new thing. Wow. So yeah, that, that, felt, that I think really motivated me. Not that I need motivation, I don't. Right. But it still, it still felt like it was, it was part of it. Uh, and so, so that's definitely the thing of the moment. And I also, I have um, some songs that I've been working on that are about my own May-December romance that <laughs> just kind of figuring out wh- what it is, what, uh-huh. what what the narrative hook of it Yeah, because there's one there. Oh, there's definitely, there's at least one there. Mm, there, there are several mm. there, so. <laughs> and again, that's why Amanda Yesnowitz is going to be my new best friend, honey. <laughs> but again, congratulations. Thank this you. is such a wonderful honor for you to have the Kleban Prize, the 2018 Kleban Prize winning Amanda Yesnowitz, the theater lyricist who is on her way now to being able to not only take, because this is something that I just thought of. You have 20 years experience doing what you're doing. And I already said you moisturize and look fabulous. So that means <laughs> you you are younger than the average person that's doing what you're, you're trying to do in a weird way. And... Um, what was my point now? This is the old stoner in me. I was just, I was just thinking. It's, it's that you're, you're. Oh, you know what it is? It's that you have kind of like that. Remember the movie Peggy Sue got married when Kathleen Turner goes back in time yeah, to be her yeah. teenage self right. with her grown adult sensibilities, yeah. and you have that ability now because you're coming into this process not only with professional experience but you also have an educational background as well that you can now use both of those to fuse like a fusion of those two things to continue to do more things and still feel young viable and in the mix yeah i mean i hope for me that it it makes me more visible i hope sometimes lyricists do get a little lost. Well, I would love for you to meet, because just recently I did this interview with uh, this woman named Deborah Grace Weiner, and she uh, does a series of, like, she just released this new American Songbook series that she's going to be doing at 54 Below, where she's Mm -hmm. celebrating women writers. And one of the ones that we talked about a lot on the show when I was with her was Dorothy Fields. Mm, And it's like, and, you know, there you are. I'm sitting here now talking to you. You could be. That's exactly where you are. And the one of the things that I love about her is that she managed to stay hip and groovy throughout the process and I'm feeling that that's where you are right I now. I identify girl. with those old broads, Star right, yeah, honey. Carolyn Lee. Yep, the those were like the original female. They they're like the OG female. The OG pioneers. females. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> and now you're you're meeting the new god up in this mother scratcher <laughs> y'all. Ladies and gentlemen, 2018 Cleveland Prize winning Miss Amanda Yesnowitz with me here. Thank you so much for spending time with Thank me. And congratulations. This is a wonderful thing for you. I'm so glad that, 
you know, in my minute, weird way that I'm going to get to be a part of this process because it's going to be fun to see what you're going to be doing in the next couple of years. And then, of course, you know, I'm going to be playing this back to remind you that you <laughs> knew me back when you was like, you know, before your Dorothy Feels moment, you disappear. I will not, you're unforgettable. I, I, I love I, that. I, you girl. <laughs> anyway, enjoy, enjoy, enjoy all of this praise and fabulousness Thank because you. you deserve it. And you know what? I'm expecting to see a lot more from you. So this is, this. <laughs> the, the, the gauntlet has been dropped, sister. Excellent. All right now, and we'll be back. Look for Keith Price's Curtain Call on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, and now Mixcloud.